I'm your host, Will Krebs, and this is the Under Pressure Outdoors Podcast. Nothing beats the serenity of a crisp fall morning in the deer stand. A steady wind at your back in the duck blind, or the fog hovering over a lake that looks smooth as glass when the sun breaks the horizon. There's no question in my mind that being outside and connecting with Mother Nature has healing properties. Since the inception of our great nation, brave men and women have gone to war for our country in order to protect the freedoms we enjoy today. And throughout history, veterans have returned home still carrying the heavy burdens of war with them. This week, we are joined by the guys from Operation Outdoors Freedom to talk about their program in the state of Florida that helps wounded and disabled veterans sometimes reconnect or form a whole new connection with the great outdoors through special opportunity hunts. So I'm going to have you guys go ahead and introduce yourselves. Will, you go ahead first. Uh, my name is Will Rollerson, uh, Forest Area Supervisor in Volusia County with the Florida Forest Service. My name is Brian Gregory. I'm a senior ranger in Volusia County for the Florida Forest Service. So tell us just from the start, how did uh, Operation Outdoors Freedom get its start? Um, so it started back, uh, if I want to say, I believe somewhere in the 2011 timeframe, but, um, Adam Putnam, uh, our commissioner of agriculture at the time, um, was the one that, uh, that came up with, you know, he wanted to do something, something for the veterans. And, um, he was definitely a big part of the initial process of it. And also initial, the initial hunt, the very first time the Operation Outdoors Freedom. And then it just grew from there. So what was the first hunt for Operation Outdoors Freedom? Um, I believe it was down in the Bartow area um, uh, where uh, the commissioner is originally from. Um, and uh, I don't, I, I can't tell you exactly what if it was a deer hunt, duck hunt, uh, right. turkey hunt, anything like that. Just know it was uh, strictly a you know, set up for wounded veterans. Right. So... Why did Operation Outdoors Freedom choose to go the route of becoming a nonprofit versus a state-funded organization? Um, that one, I really, really can't explain that one. Um, I just know that it got tied into our um, Friends of Florida State Forest, which is a nonprofit organization um, that the uh, the state introduced years ago Um to be able to help with uh, like equestrian stuff uh, along with the um, um, hiking, things like that. Things that uh, activities where you need a little extra money here or there that may not have had budgeted um, right. at the time that w- that the state would, would get uh, would get donations and stuff for. Yeah, no, I've had some interaction with, uh, for instance, Seminole State Forest, um, one of our local state forests here, and they do – take volunteers to help clear out trails and after the the loggers come through and stuff like that and then prepare for the uh, disability hunts out there and things of that nature i bet by having a separate entity it keeps things cleaner for I mean, government accounting is a little different than human being accounting so yeah. by having a separate entity and tracking how money's coming in and going out probably a lot easier oh yeah i'm sure so what made y'all want to get involved with operation outdoors freedom I love to hunt. <laughs> That's a good reason. Um, I love to hunt. I, I love um, 
nothing more. My, my kids are both kind of grown and um, helping them, you know, in the woods. And I just carried it on into the, into the veterans. It's awesome. Um, myself, um, I'm a disabled veteran myself. Um, so when they uh, decided for this program to grow from the original hunt, um, they wanted it to grow throughout the state. Um, so what they did is they went to each district in the state of Florida. There's were broke up in districts and, um, they looked for folks that, uh, would step up and be kind of the coordinator there. There are two state coordinators right now that are the uh, main coordinators that answer to the state office below them. They created district coordinators. Um, myself, I'm the district coordinator for the Bunnell district. Brian's like the assistant uh, coordinator and, um, my district manager at the time thought it was because he knew I was a disabled veteran myself, um, thought that, Hey, Will might be willing to grab it. Plus, like Brian said, I hunt. Yeah. You know, that's, you know, that's what I do. <laughs> so. Yeah. We, we like to, uh, hunt a little bit too. Near, near. <laughs> Just a wee bit. Yeah. Yeah. Part of our, <clears throat> excuse me, part of our mission for lack of a better term is, backing our three efforts of, of all kinds, mm-hmm. you know, just bringing people new into the sport, keeping them engaged. And if you wandered away, trying to give you an opportunity to come back into the fold. So yeah. just kind of fits into that. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's not only that this year was my first year. I actually got involved in some, um, youth hunts. Um, one of our guys we work with that works for Volusia County is a, what they would call a hunt master for FWC, and he does the youth hunts. And this year was my first year being involved as a guide, uh, turkey hunts, um, calling for the kids and getting introducing kids for the very first time. Most all of them for the very first time, never been in the woods. Their parents have never been in the woods, so um, it's kind of fun to watch watch that. Does happen. that program by chance run parallel or in conjunction with Future of Hunting in Florida? I do not know if it's okay. those are tied in together or not. I just know it's an FWC program. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. No. Like our we talked. You talked about the stuff we do for our three. Like we were just trying today to finalize up. How many small game hunts are we looking at? Was that four or five? I was saying I think four. It's five. Four. Four. four with a potential for five if we decide to do <clears throat> do a snipe hunt late season out at uh, Three Lakes. And we'll mm-hmm. post all that stuff up on our pages and then. <clears throat> just encourage people to come out and join us for a day of small game hunting. And I think, you know, last year uh, when BHA did those hunts, we had one in Seminole State Forest, and we had some guys that had – there's been guys that have never hunted before. There's been people who never harvested their first public land animal, uh, which, hey, squirrel counts. <laughs> uh, That's some but, of the funnest hunting, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the high success rate. I hope we get a chance to do that in conjunction with BHA. We're going to reach out to them, see if they want to co co brand that or not. But I think we're looking at um, Rock Spring. No, forgive me, Seminole State Forest, Bronson, uh, Ocala. What am I missing? Triple N, Triple N, and then maybe Three Lakes. So a lot of squirrels. <clears throat> depending on how triple N goes, might be an opportunity for some quail. Certainly plenty of snipe out there, maybe some doves. Uh, th- you know, Seminole Forest provides opportunity for just about everything. Ducks, rabbits, squirrels, doves. Uh, Cameron Gordon's been known, I think, to take all of them the same day. 
<laughs> we have a we have a dove hunt planned somewhere too, don't we? Um, Seminole Ranch. No, no? we just well, it's a great place to go. We'd encourage any sportsman that wants to go knock down some doves to hit Seminole Ranch opening day. Um, manpower wise, we're we're kind of down for that one. Um, we might be able to throw that on there if you want to join me. I might be able to squeeze out there, but I can't yeah. commit to it. So I'll run out there. All right, that would be six. Man, that's a lot of opportunities to come out and hunt. Even you never hunted before. I mean, you come out there, and <clears throat> the nice part about doing a small game is that you can walk side by side the whole time with someone, and you don't have to worry about trying to be super quiet. You, you know, not being able to ask all the questions that come to mind, uh, and, it, and then you just get out, and be able to experience nature. It's a lot of fun. I think we've always enjoyed. I mean, me and Jordan and Briar as well grew up always doing that small game hunt in Seminole Forest. Uh, it's not far from the house where we're at now, not far from where we grew up. That's where I ate my first possum. Yeah. That's <laughs> where we all, first ate, and only. But. First and last, yeah. And the forestry guys just checked out. <laughs> <laughs> it's greasy, especially if you cook it over burnt palm branches. But that was, you know, before any kind of culinary skill that entered mm. my entered the realm listen that that was all we had killed and it was well past lunchtime and we weren't done hunting so briar did you believe us it was squirrel no i took one look at it knew it wasn't squirrel <laughs> for the record folks anybody he still that comes ate to our, it though oh yeah i didn't have any question about it. i was gonna eat it <laughs> anybody that comes to our small game hunt and drops a possum briar and uh Jordan, they'll, they'll cook it up for you. Probably I don't ain't cooking it. it I'm not cooking it the way they did. <laughs> Put it on the pellet grill. There you go. Wrap <laughs> it in bacon. I think you can count us out for the uh, small game hunts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so where do you guys primarily host most of your hunts across the state? Um, we actually have some Volusia County property, um, water management property, and... Um, private individual has some property up in Volusia, North Volusia County, and that's pretty much where we do 99% of all of our hunting. We did have a piece up in Putnam County. Uh, we kind of backed away from that. Just logistics wasn't quite right for it. So, so how does somebody how does somebody get, if they're a disabled veteran, how do they get in line to go on the hunts? Okay, so... Um, so what happens is we create these events on um, on our own. We have our own website, uh, Operation Freedom website. Um, so when a veteran wants to get involved, you know, um, they'll have basically kind of uh, broke up into like a year confirmed or not confirmed. So if a veteran wants to sign up for the program, he's not confirmed. That just means that nobody's seen his paperwork. And what I mean by paperwork, they either have to be a 30% disabled or more or a Purple Heart recipient. And they also have to be a citizen of the state of Florida. Um, so if they're not confirmed and it'll show up on our paper for not, you know, we ask them for their, their DD-214 or whatever their VA medical papers, you know, just to show the percentage or whatnot. Or, you know, DD-214 will have a Purple Heart on it if they've received that. So um, that's that's all they have to do. Just turn it in, and you'll find a place for them to hunt. Yes, sir. If they, uh, what happens is they, um, we create the event. The event will go on into the program, and then everybody that's signed up, and even people that aren't signed up, can go in there. 
into the website and they can put in you know, there's hunts all over the state of florida it's not just us i mean you got from the panhandle all the way all the way down to the keys things are going on it's not just hunts so it's it's all outdoor stuff fishing too fishing lobster diving i mean it, wow. it, bird watching yeah. horseback riding butterfly catching um, yeah. it's literally everything you can think of outdoors is is part of this program and it's like you said all over the state of florida so we we primarily just do turkey hunting and deer hunting yep and um up in north florida i know they do a lot of horseback riding up there um, south florida a lot of fishing diving spear fishing stuff like that like uh here just recently we've um down around the okachobie area a lot of gator hunts been going on um and the gator hunts for these veteran hunts are totally different than than your gator hunting that you would do if you were selected for a gator hunt um these guys can we can hunt them during the daytime and and stuff like that and use different tactics to hunt the gators versus what we would have to do if we were just picked for for a gator permit or something um but it uh the basically the, the the thing is is we we give these guys a quality hunt we put them in pieces of property that nobody else can hunt so like these state lands that he's talking about, they're close to hunting where we take them. And people would ask, well, if, how come I can't hunt there? Or why is the state lands closed? Well, for multiple purposes or reasons. Um, sometimes there's a cattle lease on that property. Okay. Um, sometimes it's just a piece of land that's so separated from from a big chunk that they it's just too small to put the pressure on. So you may have a 200-acre tractor here. We might put two hunters on that. Versus it being open to the public and, you know, put 10 hunters on a 200-acre piece, but it's too much pressure. So um, there's pieces of land like that all over the place that water management owns or um, county owns, uh, forest service. You know, we've done some hunts on our forest service land, but most of our forest service properties are under WMAs. We try to stay away from WMAs because we want to give these guys and ladies a quality hunt somewhere where... We're not going to worry about somebody walking past them in the tree stand or, you know, no competition, no it's pressure. Awful. It's awful brazen so. of you to assume that only 10 people would pack into 200 acres. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Very true. <laughs> now, I don't want to dog out public land at all, but uh, public hands, it's tough to hunt. It's a, oh, it's, it's, it is it's, absolutely it's, tough it to is. hunt. But um, if a new 200-acre piece of public land opened tomorrow, mm-hmm. that sucker would be uh, – you're talking at least – 100 200 people right man and, and that's yeah. and that's exactly why you know the state has went to the quota program you know on a lot of these places especially for the first nine days on a lot of places that used to be wide open the first few days and you know the first nine days they put quota and then after the quota everybody and their brother gets to come and play so and we, we still need pieces like that because there are a lot of quota areas in the state yeah. of florida and it creates for a, a quality hunt mm-hmm. i mean you see like rock springs out mm-hmm. here consistently produces good deer coming out of rock spring to yep. run but versus like the ocala national forest where i mean technically it's a quota but if you put in for the pipeline unit you draw the pipeline unit mm-hmm. um <clears throat> i didn't mean to spoil anybody's dreams thought <clears throat> they actually drew a hunt this year um but you it's not bad it is just a hard fought hunt mm-hmm. you really gotta scout it hard yeah yeah, that's one of those places that, you know, it's been my experience with public land. You uh, you, know, you pop out there, you walk miles and miles and miles. You think, man, ain't no way. 
you know, I got me a perfect setup. And then first thing hunting morning, it looks like, you know, lightning bugs out there, all the flashlights coming to the woods. You're like, what? And don't uh, get me wrong. I have the pipeline <laughs> unit this year and I drew it intentionally. I've got it. Same reason. I do too. Yeah. But I also might know a spot, you know, where we put in a little extra time and found not it. access it on foot. Yeah. Yeah. Boats about yeah. this way. Alexander Run? I don't know. Huh? Where is that at? What? Huh? I don't, I don't think that exists. That's not in the pipeline unit. <laughs> I would never hunt the high water mark. <laughs> so, what kind of accommodations do you guys have for vets and wheelchairs, and you know, some that are just don't get around as easy? Right now, we are not really set up for wheelchairs mm-hmm. um if we do get one we can we can make it happen but at this point in time we're not set up um for like i said wheelchairs we're working on it uh hopefully by next hunting season we will be 100 percent ready um but but as of right now we're not so what you're saying is if anybody out there wants to donate a lift blind like a lift up tower blind that you guys are looking for one absolutely <laughs> you know for those who know somebody who might meet that criteria they are in a wheelchair really struggling uh seminal forest is the place to contact and oh i can't remember the name of the biologist she's a wonderful woman jean marie yep. jean marie I've yeah i know her very well yeah um that's a passion for her they'll get around pigs or deer turkeys i mean they're we i really would like to go out there and help with that cleanup effort probably need to absolutely and she was involved with the youth hunt with us this year and she came to me she knows uh what we do over in Belusha with the, the stuff she offered us um the, some blinds to actually two of them that uh hydraulic hydraulic lift and i told her i said we'll keep that in mind because like brian was saying you know we're working on a bunkhouse right now you know uh what we've been doing housing wise is uh at the very beginning of our program the guys would have to come and get their own hotels um they'd have to pay for their own food it was basically what you we would consider an unguided hunt and but yet they're guided as far as individuals we would guide them but the state or our program doesn't consider it a guided hunt unless we provide lodging food um stuff like that so we're working on this bunkhouse talked to y'all guys about it this past weekend and um once we get this bunkhouse up and going it's gonna be totally handicapped accessible everything's set up and uh we'll be able to rock and roll with 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 some guys in wheelchairs for sure so how does if there's somebody listening to the podcast and they've either got private land that they'd like to open to the opportunity or i don't know if you're short on manpower or you just need somebody to go out and keep these fellows company men and women that are hunting company but if somebody's interested in getting involved with the program how would they reach out to you guys and say hey i've got this land or i've got this opportunity on the land or on the let's just start with the uh like if they want to volunteer um, to guide or, or if they just want to come out and, uh, and be there, um, I would tell anybody, uh, go to the local Florida Forest Service office. Um, it don't matter where it's at. They're going to know about Operation or Freedom, whether they're involved in the program or not. They'll give you the right contact. Um, of course, you have to fill out a volunteer form, um, get vetted through the volunteer program, and then they'll allow you to participate on the hunts. We're always looking for guides and and extra folks um to be part of the program cooking whatever whatever the case may be 
as far as private lands, the the cool thing about this program is, um, you know, we have paperwork that was drawn up by our lawyers up in Tallahassee that uh, if a private landowner wanted to donate, you know, say, hey, I've got 4,000 acres or 200 acres, whatever, you know, and say, hey, you know, I want to, I'll let you guys do a deer hunt out here, you know, and, and if the landowner put on there, hey, just one buck a piece or one doe, one buck a piece, you know, we go, you know, we'll follow the rules that they that they set forth. But cool thing is we have a paper that that landowner will sign that we will sign that releases them from all liabilities. That's always the big kicker these days is li- is liability, man. It's what, uh, well, it's what stops a lot of us folks be able to hunt private land. How many times have you went and asked the person, hey, can I hunt your 100 acres? And yeah, and I'm not, you know, I'm not sure about that because if you get hurt out here, we've had lawsuits, blah, blah, blah. Um, we have a paper that releases those landowners of that. Um, they sign it, we sign it, and it's all legal. So if a hunter is to get hurt or if we, mm-hmm. Forest Service employee, is to get hurt out there, it's all on us. We take care of that. There's also insurance, if I'm not mistaken, that you can purchase to also help indemnify things like that. I don't know if you can do that. Hunting leases can get it, but I don't know mm-hmm. if you're something else. If it's no, like with that. us, it, it uh, the Florida Forest Service is a self-insured agency. Sure. So we, we take all responsibility for anything that happens on the land. If they were falling a gopher hole and twist an ankle or, you know, God forbid, if the guns accidentally go off, uh, you know, we, we, we cover all that. So what kind of game are you guys generally pursuing? We've got plenty of deer and pigs and everything else here. Deer, pigs, and turkeys. That's deer, pigs, and turkey. pretty much what we handle, yeah. Yeah, we try to do two uh, deer hunts every year. Four hunters, possibly five, um, for each hunt. And then we go into our turkey season. We do at least one. We try to get two turkey hunts in. And same thing, four four to five hunters, five hunters max. And that's just because we don't have the manpower to, to handle anymore. Understandable. And the pigs are just kind of free-for-all. Bycatch. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, well, uh, when we do these hunts, we um, we apply for uh, doe tags. Yep. Um, so game of fish. So these hunters go home with meat. We've never – we've. I don't think we've ever in our program, knock on wood, uh, we've had any hunters go home empty-handed. That's fantastic. Meat. So That's awesome. um, we'll get doe tags. Uh, sometimes the hunters will get two, maybe three doe tags. And then some hunters may leave early because they got – appointments or to get somebody so we'll divvy out their doe tags to other guys um because it's it's a management tool also for for fwc um so getting some of these does out of the woods is is a good thing um if any of y'all hunt the woods in florida you know that um so uh so we'll give out some doe tags everybody gets to go home with some meat i was i just got my beautiful letter in the mail today that came with my my doe tags for rock springs in october and I, I came inside. My wife said, you've got mail. And it wasn't bills. So I was kind of curious what FWC was sending me. And I forgot I'd drawn doe tags, opened it up, and I was like, man. Was the envelope glowing? Uh, it should have been. home, too. <laughs> harp. Yeah. The only thing, I thought, only thing I thought I was still waiting for in the mail was my duck stamp. But I looked at it, I was like, that doesn't come from FWC. But it's it was my doe tags. I was like, man. Just don't forget, if you don't use those doe tags, you got to get a mail them back. Or oh, they send a. Uh, <laughs> I will for- use them. <laughs> <laughs> I, for, uh, I forgot to send my sights tags bag one time uh, back one time for a gator hunt that I that I got, 
And uh, yeah, the game warden came to my house. I say, come find you. Oh yeah, he, he knocked on my <laughs> door, and I'm like, you. ooh, uh, what, what's going on, sir? I forgot to send a gator tag back one time, and I got like three or four letters in a row in one week. I'm like, hey, gator tag. I'm like, oh yeah, shit, sorry. <laughs> Whoops. Yeah. yeah. So he came back. He I gave him the tag, and he wrote me a warning. So what does Operation Outdoors Freedom need most besides, obviously, money? Well, um, we can always use equipment as far as tree stands go. Um, a lot of the, the equipment that we use is, is our personal stuff. Uh, pretty much all of the safety harnesses for the tree stands. Is either his or mine, or uh, one of our other uh, guides brings in his own stuff. Um, we have several double stands that we put up every year. Uh, our ground blinds, we've got a couple ground blinds. Um, we also use his and mine. So just really equipment. Um, if anybody would like to volunteer to, to do some guiding, we can always accept you know help that way. A lot of the times it's it's... Two on one, you know, one guide for two hunters. Then um, it always seems to be me. But um, <laughs> other than that, you know, we're, we're pretty much squared away. Well, I'll tell you right now, I'll go ahead and go on the record that uh, I'll volunteer to guide. I, yeah. I would I would, I would too. love to do that. Awesome. Um, what are your but, deer guides doing? Are they are they getting out and scouting the area out a little bit? Before you mentioned that the, the tracks of land aren't, aren't real big, but what's involved... What's expected of a guy? Well, we do all of the pre-scouting. We have, we, we pretty much know the, the areas on these properties, where the deer are at, where the turkeys are at. Um, but we go ahead ahead of time and, and do some more scouting, always looking for more areas. We hang tree stands. We put up ground blinds. We brush back everything. You know, we, we do everything so that the morning of the hunt, all we do is take them in to the tree stand get them in the tree stand or in the ground blind and we come out and we have, we're staying in contact with them the whole time. Hey, you seen anything, you know, on cell phone, you know, texting or, or whatever. And, um, you know, when they're ready to come out, we go in and get them, bring them back out, take them out to lunch or whatever. And, and then get ready for the afternoon hunt. So does the, does the guide help with the brushing in and, and the, you need help with the work parties and things to prepare the, the land? Mm-hmm. But the guide's not actually sitting with the hunter the entire time, unless the hunter wants it? Unless the one hunter wants it. Typically, our deer hunters, um, they like to sit by themselves or sit with them the first time so they can get a feel of what they're doing. And then, um, then they're by themselves. So we take them in in the morning, we drop them off, we go back in, we pick them up, handle all the, the processing for them. We clean all their deer for them if they want. Sometimes we'll get a guy that wants to do his own. That's great. Other times we we do everything for them. Ten four. Yep. You know, the, um, speaking of guides, our biggest uh, our biggest need typically comes around turkey season because it's uh, a lot of guys don't know how to call turkeys. Um, well, you can count me out on that one. So uh, you ain't calling a turkey. <laughs> <laughs> we uh, we run into that issue where, uh, like this past year, we brought a, one of our young younger rangers uh, that we have there into the program. He wanted it, you know, and. Uh, we threw him in there. <laughs> we threw him in the water, not knowing how to swim, kind of this year. And um, he learned a lot, but uh, not very good at the turkey calling, but working on it. Yeah. We're trying to teach him. 
but that's usually where our biggest need is during for guides um, is turkey season for sure. Because like you said, deer season, these guys, a lot of these guys like to uh, either hunt alone or they have a helper that comes with them or a buddy veteran that'll sit beside them that they're just good friends with and uh, and they'll do their, do their thing. And back to, um, like you asked a question earlier about some of the needs, you know, um, you know, obviously money and, and, and equipment. Um, but we can also like, like with our building that we're working on right now, you know, people want to donate lumber, people want to donate, uh, things that were furnitures, things like that, that we'll be able to put into this, um, this, uh, hunting cabin, um, bunkhouse, what we call it for the veterans is, you know, they're more than welcome to uh, donate in that aspect also. Yeah, I'd love to try and get in and do some duck hunts with some guy. Hey, you take a wounded veteran all the time, duck hunting. No one here. Yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> disabled veteran. <laughs> I have to say that's something that we haven't tackled yet. It's any duck hunting because there's none of us that are real. Yeah, I actually savvy well, at least duck me, and, me and Briar both have a boat. Yeah, that's well. We both have service I, drives, so I don't know that we could get a wheelchair in there. That might be kind of challenging. I could probably fit a wheelchair in mine. I could fit one, but as far as them being able to hunt, and, and I'm talking about as far as getting in, getting them in and out of the boat. Oh, that's a easy. Lot of you the, bring more than one guy, and you get his chair in there, and then help him into his chair from there. I, I would say the if, if you could, if you can get in and out, if you're in like a, not necessarily a uh, my boat's open electric chair electric in. wheelchair, but in a, like a hand powered wheelchair, and you can get yeah. in and out of a vehicle and getting in and out. Of, you could get in and out of either one of those boats in a wheelchair. Yeah, I mean we have uh, we have carried hunters before literally on our backs so whatever it takes to get them where we need to get them we do it (laughs) yeah i'm about it but yeah i mean i hell i'd love to help you guys most host a small game hunt i mean that's that's something you're kind of missing out there too which is and that's a great opportunity to get a lot of people on the ground at one time yeah um and it's a daggum blast we always have a good time, mm-hmm. just hooting, hollering, and carrying on, and then you go and make some good squirrels and gravy afterwards. Yeah. Squirrel and dumplings. How did you guys get involved in the outdoors? Oh goodness, my father, my grandfather, my great grandfather. Uh, just kind of born into it. Yeah, born into it. Absolutely, I was in the woods. Probably took my first steps in the at the hunting camp. Yeah, yeah it was. Uh, I grew up in the woods. So. I love it. How about you, Will? That's yeah, kind of the same thing. Um, I have to say, I was brought up on both sides of it. Got to experience the dog hunting stuff. Was never really, never really, really got with the dog hunting stuff. But I understand why people, folks, are hooked on it. But mostly still hunting with my dad. Turkey hunting. My dad is straight up hardcore turkey hunter. So that's what my passion. I mean, I love deer hunting. Don't get me wrong. But turkey hunting, just there's something about it that I don't know. It can't can't be beat, can't be touched. Um, to be able to sit in the morning and listen to the woods come alive and hear that old owl go off and old turkey answer him, it's, it's awesome stuff. You know, it's funny is with people that are new to hunting, deer seems to be the iconic species they want to chase. When you chat with folks that are kind of ate up with it, like most of the guys in this room think we all hunt deer but that's pretty much for the payload because we're all pretty much in the wild game and it's just really hard to fill the fill the freezer with quail yeah right but most of us when you ask them what their real passion is it's 
It's not deer. It's ducks. It's quail. It's turkeys, squirrels. <laughs> but you know, that's he goes across the gambit that I rarely ever chat with somebody who's been around for a while and say, "What do you really like to hunt the most?" And they say, "Deer." I mean, they're out there, but not. Mm-hmm. Just doesn't seem to be the real passion for anybody. Yet we all do. Well, it seems like a lot of the other outside of deer, especially like turkey or ducks or some of the other ones, you really have to have like a certain skill mm-hmm. for it, right? Like you can go mm-hmm. into the woods and just by grace wander upon a deer, but you know, to turkey or duck hunt or whatever, like you really have to put in that work and skill and and actually find that animal. So I got a question. You guys, both of you with a career in forestry, on the conservation front, what do you guys think is the biggest challenge that sportsmen and women are probably facing coming down the pike? I would say uh, the biggest challenge to me is is the um, not enough land. Access? Yeah. yeah. Not enough land for uh, for the hunters. I mean – it's bad enough, you know, our, our WMAs, we, if you notice, the seasons are really short. That's just because we have so many folks in the woods. I mean, if we if they allowed all the folks in the woods through, you know, from September through January, um, you know, the deer population would probably not be where it's at right now. So um, the biggest challenge I think that, that, that we're facing now, and I think we'll face even more with the future because obviously you guys have seen construction. The woods are getting yeah. destroyed left and right. Yeah. Um, Last crop anyway. is rooftops, man. Yeah, and uh, it's it's a shame. Um, I'm a seventh generation Floridian, and I've watched my and born and raised in the area that I still live in today. And I've watched uh, place. It's funny. I've watched parts of it just explode and grow and grow. But where I'm from, it looks just like it did when I was a kid. You know, except for maybe a new house on a. 30 acre tract of land here or there. Um, but you go into, uh, um, towards the land area and all that, uh, you know, you can't even tell if you're in Orange City, Deland, Deltona anymore. It's just like you drive straight through. So, but if you've noticed in Volusia, our area, we have that green belt right in the middle of the county um, that stretches pretty much from southern Volusia all the way up to the Fogger County line. Um, that land will probably always stay in a conservation easement corridor um but challenge the biggest challenge you know back to the original statement is just not the land not going to have enough land for the hunters out there you know hunt seasons if anything will get shorter hunting is uh i think hunting's where the curve or where the uh where, where it turned is when they tacked the word sport to it yeah. hunting's not a sport it, that's just me hunting's not a sport it's a passion um just like i tell my wife you know Come home. Hey, babe, I got to get up at four in the morning. Well, at four? I'm going hunting. Well, you don't have to get up. For you don't understand. I got to get up to go hunting at four in the morning, just like I got to get up at seven o'clock in the morning to go to work. I have to go. But once we, once we titled or once we put that label sport on there, that's when the money started flowing. And that's when it become a business. And that's when the landowners that used to let you hunt their land you know, decide to say, Hey, you know what? I can make, you know, $2,000 a piece for you guys to hunt on my property. I'll pay my taxes. And next thing you know, here we got leases and you know, that stuff didn't exist back in the eighties. You know, when I was a kid, you know, we could hunt, you know, landowners just let you go 
don't shoot my cows, don't trash my property. You can hunt all you want. But we put sport on it and labeled it that, and then it turned into just this big, huge selling everything. I mean, the guys are out there selling chapstick that doesn't, has no scent. You mean to tell me you yeah. don't have unscented chapstick no. in your bag? <laughs> Let me tell you something. No wonder you're not killing big deer. All right. <laughs> I sit up in my tree stand and I spit. Chewing, <laughs> chewing the back out. My dad has killed many deer with a cigarette in his mouth. <laughs> wearing a red, black, and plaid shirt. Listen, I've had you guys know. that swear by they won't see deer if they don't smoke a cigarette in the stand. I'll tell you a story about that after the podcast. That's a whole other thing. Let me reel us on back into Operation Outdoors Freedom. Something I somehow missed earlier, but you know, I don't want anybody to be discouraged to any veteran that qualifies for this program to be discouraged to try and get on one of these hunts. So, in the instance you've got a vet who's, I mean, literally never even thought about stepping into the woods, but now they're they they've gone through you know, deployed, come back. They, they've got the PTSD and they're, they're seeing how this outdoors helps a lot of people. They want to get out there and they want to go with you guys, but they're kind of intimidated to the fact that they've never done it before. What are you guys doing in that instance with those, with those guys? How does that, how does that work? What do you do to help them overcome all that? Uh, we don't discourage anybody from, from wanting to come hunt with us. If you've never hunted before, we will teach you. We will show you. We've had had plenty that this was their first time, first time hunting. You know, they they show up with gear and think they're ready to go, and um, not quite, not quite. Um, you know, we just. I mean, we'll we'll teach you anything you need to know. What if I don't even have a gun? We'll supply one. Yep. We'll we've, supply one out of his gun safe or mine. Yep. We, we've we had guys. We've had guys coming there to never hunted we talked about it this past weekend with you you know we had a a gentleman a veteran that came in and hunted and i would advise right off the bat if you got hunters that are discouraged that you stop by your local forestry office and talk to someone they'll explain the program to you and and make you feel at ease about the program but yeah back to uh having new guys i mean we had a guy come in that uh, just had went to the store and bought the rifle this guy's never sat in the woods before in his life you know we took his rifle out showed him how to handle the rifle um, of course, these former military has a ballpark idea of rifle or a firearm safety anyway. Um, but, uh, but, you know, we'd have to sight the gun, the rifle in for him, things like that. And if that gentleman wants to, we'll put a guide in the stand with him. We sh- pull out uh, pictures of deer, show him exactly where the kill spots are, you know, um, to be able to harvest the deer properly. We're not, we're not in the business of wounding animals. We want them... Uh, to harvest them the right way so we get these guys we set them up for success we don't set them up for failure right yep. so man tell me what's been your most and each of you individually what's been your most rewarding hunt so far with operation outdoors freedom that's a tough one it is um i haven't been with any any hunter that i wouldn't wouldn't go again with um Probably my most rewarding hunt was a turkey hunt. This actually, this last turkey season, had um, a gentleman that I've had before, and I caught him in a turkey, and that was probably the craziest turkey hunt I've ever been on in my life. But he come back in, and I got him again, 
we sat in the same exact spot as we did two years prior and killed another bird out of that same exact spot. I mean, it was picture perfect. Uh, as a matter of fact, yeah, we saw a lot of birds that day. A lot of birds that day, but he, he killed one right right in the same exact spot. That was probably the, the most memorable. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And then I think it took just as many shots, too. Because <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was right. He, he was texting me, what's I was going down on the, over there? I was down the way from him, so I got to, to hear the action. So, yeah. Did the gobbler stand in there? First shot was blam, and it just kind of stood around. He, like, yeah, the first, first shot. Actually, I don't think it was the first two shots. Um, <laughs> Woo! Yeah. I actually had four four big gobblers come in, and um, it, it, we worked at it, but finally got him, got him to commit. And uh, when he took the first shot, all of them scattered. Took the second shot at uh, he, the the big one was running away. And oh man, he was bummed out and bummed out. And I, it's not over yet. It's not over yet. And kept doing a little calling, doing a little bit more calling. And the bird actually circled around us and come back in. And he was able to harvest him. And he just couldn't stay away from that hen, huh? Yeah, he couldn't. (laughs) Eating him up. Eating him up. Yeah. Women, they'll get you every time. Yeah. <laughs> How about you, Will? Um, you know, uh, I probably got two, but... Um, tell us both. Tell them both. Um, the one is, uh, believe it or not, the hunter has never... He's never... Um, he's never scored with any of our hunts. He's a colonel, um, retired colonel. One of the most movi- motivated um, guys you'll ever meet. Um, and... Um, he, you know, Parkinson's is, is, is part of, is part of what's going on with him. And it just, he's, he's the guy that makes the whole program worth what we're doing. He still calls me to this day three or four times a year. Hey, Will, how's it going up there, man? Y'all going to have a hunt this year? Cause he'll put in for it. You know, he's never guaranteed to get it, but he puts in for him. Um, never killed a thing, but man, you would think. This is one of those guys that just wants to be in the woods. Right. Um, but my for for one where we did work was uh, one morning uh, or when the hunters showed up, we did have uh, and on our when we set up our, our, our events, you have to put in there, um, you know, what the disability, what you can accept as far as, you know, uh, walk 100 yards unassisted um limited this or wheelchair bound and stuff like that so we usually all my hunts i always put a, a at least 100 yards unassisted right now because of how we're set up um we ended up getting a guy in a wheelchair um so we had to make i'm talking this guy showed up the day before the hunt okay so i'm scrambling this is my guy i'm guiding him so I run out after we get done with all of our business that day, making sure everybody squared away with their guns, make sure all the guns are working properly. Um, you know, of course, shotguns, we really don't have to set them up, but we'll let them pattern them if they want to. We'll put some, put them out there, put a target out 30 yards or so, and let them pattern their shotguns if they haven't done it in a while. And uh, I ran out to the woods, and I think Brian was with me. We threw a piece of plywood down. And then I put my blind, you know, on the plywood. So that morning we got him out there, got him. I mean, I drove my truck right into the bushes and got him out, got him on his wheelchair where we could dump him right on top of the piece of plywood. And so 
not dumping, but you know, we got them set up. Right. On top of <laughs> and at that point I picked, we picked the blind up and we sat it down over the top of him. Um, then we got the truck out of the way. I got in the blind with him. 25 minutes later, we had a 10 and a half inch gobbler on the ground. Um, very, that was rewarding for me just for the simple fact that, you know, it was the first bird he'd ever killed. And it was the fact that we were able to overcome and adapt and make it happen for that, for that gentleman. Um, not that we would never take it. If another guy showed up, Hey, we're going to make it happen. If we had 500 show up in wheelchairs, we're putting them in the, we're putting them in the woods somewhere. You know, if we have to put them over our shoulder and put them up in a tree stand, if they want to hunt off the ground, we're going to do it. You know, so these, these, these guys, these guys mean a lot to us. If this is huge for us, when we're not fighting fires, when we're not managing our forest, this is the second me other than fighting fire. Best thing that, that, that I enjoy doing in my career with the forest service. So it's, it's pretty awesome that like, without you guys and him being in a wheelchair would have been for him himself would have been extremely hard for him to get out there. Yes. If not impossible. Yeah. Well, he's done better than me. I still can't kill a turkey. So, (laughs) (laughs) so tell us some of the funny stories from the woods. I know you see you chuckle like that. I know there's now you're racking through your brain trying Uh, to to select the, the best one. The one you can tell on the podcast. Brian's <laughs> over here laughing. He's got one in mind. I've got one in mind. Um, yeah. I had a, uh, I had a, a marine, and he was a young guy. Well, that oh, this sounds nice. Yeah, there it is, right there. Right. Started <laughs> off. Just Why's like, it got to be a marine? He, he was a young guy, you know, because it, it falls into it. And uh, we get to talking and, and stuff, and uh, but you know, before we go out and hunt, and you know, I asked him, you know, have you ever shot a turkey? He's no, no, I've never shot a turkey. I was like, okay, well, you know, can you shoot a shotgun? Well, I'm an effing Marine. What do you think? <laughs> okay. All right, cool. So I get him out there. Actually, the same pasture, same field that, that my other guy scored on. I worked this bird for two hours. Finally got him to commit. And I'm tapping him on the back. I'm like, all right, shoot him. Shoot him. Shoot him. Shoot him. He shot first time. Missed him. Second shot. Missed him. Third shot, missed him. Fourth shot, that bird is 100 yards out in the pasture flying, and he's still shooting. (laughs) (laughs) Still shooting. Found a palmetto fan right there next to it that was just littered with bird shot. So I cut cut it down. Gave it to him. <laughs> so here's, here's your fan. <laughs> yeah. Already mounted. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that was probably the, the funniest one I ever had. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, well, I, there's a few. Um, <laughs> there's a few. Um, to, I guess the funniest one, uh, we had a hunter that come with us uh, that came and um, – uh, not to cut him short, but he he likes to carry a whole lot of stuff. Okay, <laughs> this was a muzzleloader hunt, and when I say a whole lot of stuff, I'm talking a backpack that's you know poking clearly. It's it's expanded all the cloth. He was on the going backpack. hiking for a week. Oh yeah, he was set up. I, I mean, I was waiting to him pop a refrigerator out of that thing. You know. <laughs> Exactly. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm dogging him out the whole time. That's a cool, another cool thing. We camaraderie at former military. Um, you know, I, I kind of, 
you know, we talk the same language a little bit. So yeah, um, we, everybody except the Air Force. Right, that. we start <laughs> Coast Guard. You can't forget about the puddle pirates. <laughs> <laughs> we start talking trash, you know, to each other, dogging each other out. But anyway, he's got all these backpacks. So it's a muzzleloader hunt. He brings two muzzleloaders, um, and I'm like, uh, "Why do we got two muzzleloaders?" And he's like, "Well, because I won't, I can't, I'll have to re- reload so fast. I can just grab the other muzzleloader if I need to take a second shot." All right. Sounds like a plan. Solid logic. And I'm toting, yeah. I'm toting in this metal chair that he uses that he sits in, um, and it holds the shotgun. Um, I'm toting that, and I'm toting one of his backpacks. Um, keep in mind, we had went wow. in and scouted this area a week or so before, and it was a long walk back into a swamp uh, right on the edge of a marsh. So it was a good transition from a cabbage hammock to a marsh so it's just that perfect little trailers rubs scrapes all up and down this thing i'm like ah we're gonna score so um we like most hunters you know uh, we like to get in the woods way ahead of time you know before the sun comes up so we're trailing through these these uh cabbage hammock and through the swamp water wading in some water places you know shin deep knee deep come back up on the hill in the cabbage hammock and I've got my flashlight, and I'm like, you know, things look the same in a swamp if you ever hunted a swamp. Right? Mm-hmm. I'm looking all over the place, but I know I'm not lost. I can tell you that. But I'm looking, I'm like, where's my blind? Where's my blind? You know? So I get over, I get over there where I know the blind right here. And I look around, and, and I see something way off in the bushes over there. I go over there, it's my blind. It was completely crushed. And, and I had a camera set up. And, uh, so, you know, long story short, so I pick the blind up, I bring it back over there, putting it, trying to pull it back together. It's got the it's got the fiberglass rods in it and popping and mount and everything. Three of the rods are completely cracked in half. I'm like, this ain't going to work. It won't stay up. So, after all the dogging out I did of this hunter, what does he do? He reaches in his bag and pulls out some duct tape. So, I'm like... <laughs> Oh, I guess his bags weren't so bad. He's got duct tape. So I'm there. The sun's starting to crack, and I'm just just wrapping this blind up as much as I can. And we get there, and we get settled in. And uh, we didn't score. We saw a little buck. He didn't want to take a shot at it. A little little six-point, a little basket rack. Um, now, we leave that up to the hunters, too. Right. Um, of course, we make sure they know the three are better on one side or 10-inch main beam. Uh, so we still have to follow the laws. Um, but, uh, yeah, he didn't take a shot at this one, but that's one of my, one of my memorable hunts. I got a couple of other ones, but, uh, this one's probably right there. Any idea what crushed the blind? <laughs> oh yeah. I took the card out of the camera. It was bears. Yeah. Oh, bears okay. took it for a ride. I never <laughs> yeah. found the case. I had to order three new rods at think or $30 a piece, fiberglass Jeez. rods and a bag that was $50. We actually, after that hunt, moved him to a different spot because he didn't he didn't like like it in there with all the bears. Moved him to a different spot and set up another blind. The bears got to that one too. Yeah, but they just <laughs> threw this one out into the fire completely, line. It was, it was on a fire yeah, line, completely opposite end of the the tract. Bears got to it. We wow. actually we actually have on this particular piece of land. I'm not going to name it, but we've stopped doing deer hunts on it just because the bears are just out of control but we still do turkey hunts on it so we talked a lot we kept referencing last weekend last weekend last weekend if you guys uh, you missed out we had an awesome pig roast with about we sold about 50 tickets and we gave away 
uh, eco cooler slap full of goodies and an obsession bow donated by common man outdoors with a, a sight and a rest and a quiver. I mean, ready to go. And, uh, actually, as we were recording the podcast, I got a text message from Central Florida Archery that said, Hey, I want to donate everything else he needs to hunt. So I got to get wow. camera, get Cameron Gordon's information over to him. He's going to give him arrows and everything else he needs to go wow. and set it all up That's for awesome. free. Dang. So, uh, He's going to go there and get his bow. bow. Yeah. I, I wanted the bow. I didn't even put right, in for the listen, bow. That's making on. me feel bad for not putting in for the seven, bow now. I bought seven tickets and still lost. So I yeah, bought about $100 worth. Yeah, I bought six, and Cameron Gordon won it with a $20 purchase of one ticket. Yeah. And, and he bought his ticket right after I bought mine. He bought the seven of diamonds, and I had the eight. Yeah. Mm. Sorry, dog. Yeah. I could That's have usually the way it goes, though. Yeah. Mr. One guy Bauer. with the one ticket. But we raised almost almost $1,500 for Operation Outdoor Freedom on those giveaways. So I know you guys will put that money to good use getting some yes, vets sir. out in the woods and, and putting your cabin together so that it can be a quote-unquote guided hunt. Yep. Uh, and, man, I look forward to spending some – trying to get some volunteer – volunteering you guys and helping out and get some yeah. guided hunts in there yeah. and – it just seems like a lot of fun. It's something I really enjoy doing is getting people yep. out in the woods. Yep. We enjoy it. We would love to have you guys. But before we let you guys go, we've got to do the Under Pressure Outdoors Tip of the Week. We need to get some introduction to that or something. Tip of the Week. Yeah. You, you no. make a jingle? <laughs> yeah. Make a jingle, put it on one of these buttons on the soundboard. That way you get a little, little dun dun like, dun. Yeah. It needs Tipping. to be uh, like a, a, yeah, it's got to be like a, yeah. oh crap, music. Yeah, because everybody forgets about it till the very end. You know the sound when when the big buck comes out on Bambi. There you go. That would be a perfect introduction for it. I like it. The tip of the week. <laughs> this is the tip of the week. <laughs> yeah, we'll think about it. Speaking of which, who's got a tip of the week? I would say he's buying time so he can So one. I'll go first. I already had one. And that is just give back, right? As hunters, we do a lot of taking uh, from the resource. Find a way to give back, whether it's volunteering your time to pick up garbage or some other conservation opportunity, but find a way to give back. I mean, me and Jim took uh, Al Solano out for the first time there the other weekend. That was uh, that was pretty awesome. It's it's always rewarding when you take somebody out for the first time, especially when they're successful. Yeah, yeah. More hens, though. I mean, it's not hard. We didn't take them after <laughs> rhinoceros. Right? Yeah. <laughs> um, my tip of the week for those of you uh, that either have an interest in processing your own game or are doing it, if you don't have one. Get a refrigerator that'll go in your garage. Um, may sound silly, but use that refrigerator to age your, age your own meat. Then that way you can start breaking down more deer into whole cuts as opposed to trying to grind everything into sausage and hamburger. Um, more about that later, but this evening we enjoyed a venison shoulder that was cooked uh, Dibby style, African uh, Senegalese version cooking but just having that refrigerator and allowing allowing the meat to age in there uh, so you're not getting ice and water and all this other stuff in the meat um, 
that's it, man. If you want to prep your own game, get yourself a second refrigerator so you can eat your own meat before you process it. That'll take you a long way to the next step. Every time Jim starts talking about food, I only hear somebody volunteering to cook. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jim. <laughs> no, I, you know, I'm going to say just kind of, I, I don't know if we've kind of talked about this before, but when it comes to bringing new people into the woods and like, you know, not necessarily like talking to somebody, but as present yourself properly. Oh yeah. Uh, first know, impressions are everything. Absolutely. Cause there, there's so many ways that, you know, with the way social media is these days, it's so easy for somebody to not present their harvest or something properly. And it just kind of screws up somebody that may have been thinking about it. And then they see what you've put on social media and they're like, eh, no. Nah. So always make sure you present yourself properly. Will, Brian? Uh, I got one for turkey hunters. Um, for all the turkey hunters out there, um, 90% of the turkeys that you're going to miss in your career is going to be the ones that come around 30 minutes after you give up and take it to the house. Fair enough. Yeah. Brian, Briar. I'm thinking. We done skipped it. You see, Briar always goes last. Yeah. Catch him by surprise every week. What do you got, Brian? Shoot the does. Yes. Um, I like that one. Can't, can't argue with that one. You hear all these all these hunters talking about, well, I'm just waiting for that big buck. I'm just waiting for that big buck. I saw 15 does and waiting for that big buck. Shoot the does. So I'm going yeah. to put a wicked. Uh, that's, that's three does you could have taken care of right exactly. there. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna put a, exactly. I'm going to put a wicked twist on this one. Uh, when you say shoot the does, I'm going to say you can't eat the horns. That's why you shoot the does. Shoot the does. <laughs> yeah, let's make sure we clarify that's when it is legal. When it is yeah. legal. Yeah. Yes. Whether you got doe tags or it's bow season yes. or you get your uh, – your doe days yes. for rifle that used to be seven days, but now it's back down to two again. Uh, now you're you you're just what? out of luck, bud. Briar, I'm gonna say that um, whether you're fishing or duck hunting, or we talked about you know going out and uh, accessing some spots by boat. You're gonna take your boat out. Make sure you have all the proper safety equipment that you're supposed to have. That's a good one. I've ran in that one a couple times. <laughs> I mean that's life jackets, fire extinguishers, yeah. whistles. Fire extinguisher is normally what gets me. Yeah. And now, now that you've got uh, the new Coast Guard regulation, you got to make sure you're wearing your uh, your kill switch hey, too. Yeah. I'm gonna throw this in there too. Really? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yep. July first is starting. Make sure when you get your vessel safety check, if you pass it, and they do not offer you the vessel safety check sticker, ask for it. I didn't know there was such a thing. They are supposed to, if you pass your vessel safety check, they're supposed to give you a sticker. Really? And then they, you can only, that, they have to have probable cause to check you after you have your sticker. Ah, fair enough. And with that said, with the fire extinguisher getting on the fire end of things, make sure you take that fire extinguisher out every once in a while and turn it upside down. And if you got a rubber mallet or if you can take your hand and smack it so you can, if you feel that powder fall to the bottom of the fire extinguisher because it will compact and, even though it says it's good, it won't be good if it's compacted at the bottom. So if you turn it upside down and pop it, you'll feel the powder drop. See, now that's a real tip. That's something I had. That's, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I probably need to do that. Well, mine's brand new, but. Yeah, it's really useful if you do something like hardwire your spotlight into your battery when you're gator hunting. <laughs> and then have a dead short so it starts to turn bright red. Use alligator clips. <laughs> <laughs> 
Hey, remember, if you got an external gas tank, you don't have to have a fire extinguisher. So, I've actually not ran true. into that. Not true. My fire, my, my tank that. is external per se, but it has like, it's open in the front, but it has a deck over top of yeah, it. Yeah, that would be so considered. So, I could easily pull it out. But he said that because fumes can get trapped under the deck. That's considered internal. I'm Mine. talking like if you're in a little kicker boat. And yeah. I'm good to go. Gas tanks right there. You know, old tiller boats, you always had the gas tank right there. If that's where you can grab it and throw it, you by law, you're not, you don't have to have a fire extinguisher. But if you're undercover, good if it's deal. tucked under a seat. Mine yes. was uh, sitting outside where he could see it. Yeah, and yeah. I still got a warning for my fire extinguisher being too old. Because you're over 16 foot. 16 foot or larger. I'm not. I'm right at 16. Oh, 16 foot or okay. Well, before we let you guys go, let's tell tell everybody where they can find you, and then I'll make sure to link all those links down in the podcast description so they don't even have to really search for it. It's just there. And you guys have Facebook, and uh, what's your website? Um, the website is um, you should go to the four to four service regular website, mm-hmm. um, and you'll be able to see the operation door outdoor freedom is in there, where you'll be able to get to it. I'll go as far as to go there and click on that and then highlight that whole extended one, two, three BJ find, you know, forward slash backslash link. And I'll, I'll put that in the podcast description. I'll do all the work for you. We appreciate that. Yeah, thanks for <laughs> how you guys yeah. are doing. Thank you. Yeah. I just, uh, I just go on there cause we have our own internal website, uh, employee website. That's where I go in and create the events and stuff. So it's always, it's kind of like your phone. Could I tell you my wife's phone number right now? No, I have to look at my phone and tell you what it is. So, um, yeah, we get so used to doing it. But I know if you go to the Florida Forest Service um, uh, Internet site, you'll be able to uh, to look around on there, and it'll, you know, they talk about mostly about fire. Right. But Operation Outdoor Freedom will be in there. Well, I'll make sure to link yeah. all that stuff in the podcast description so you guys can find it and apply for those hunts if you're a qualifying veteran and, and get out there. Now we'll look forward to bring some new guys out. And remember, um, this is statewide. It's not just in Volusia County, not just in the Benel District. This is statewide, so uh, – so you don't have to live like in Lake County or Volusia County to to be part of the program. You can live anywhere in the state of Florida. And like Will had said earlier, um, if anybody has any questions or wants to talk to us, we're at the DeLeon Forestry Station, DeLeon Springs, downtown, beautiful DeLeon Springs. Yep, can't miss us. we got a big 125-foot fire tower yep. right there. So we'll be happy to answer any questions. Awesome. Thanks, you guys, for joining us tonight. Oh, thanks for having us. And again, we really appreciate what you did for us last weekend. Yes. That uh, that money, like you mentioned, will go to good use. So thank you guys. Our pleasure. Yeah, man, we appreciate you guys coming. Yeah, absolutely. We'll see you guys next week. Roger that. Thank you.